you very much for joining us this afternoon here with Wealth8. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So, um, yeah, just to kick off, just tell us a little bit about your background. Sure thing, David. Um, thanks very much for having me today. So about my background, if I uh, go right back to my education, I did law at uni, as any uh, good Nigerian boy would. But <laughs> um, my first job was at a financial PR company. And lots of my um, clients were banks and investment houses. And I worked as a researcher. So I was, on the one hand, um, becoming familiarized with how banks and how the monetary system works, but I was also learning how to kind of find data and um, also uh, do the communication side as well. So writing press releases and articles and so on. And then since then, I've worked both in marketing and as a finance manager, but all of the different things I've done in my professional career have led me to do what I'm doing now, which is running a financial education company for people in the UK. Fantastic. No, that's great to hear. And um, I could definitely resonate with the standard Nigerian way of doing things in yeah, cer yeah. certain boxes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so what was the inspiration behind Mr. Manager? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I've just always grown up with this sneaking suspicion that, you know, the monetary system and just how money works isn't for everyone. You know, it's for a select few, for an elite few. And I guess I, I was just sick and tired of being closed out of the money conversation. I felt like there was a lot of jargon and a lot of gumph that was kind of um, peppered in unnecessarily. And I was always that friend who knew about the latest deal or was using the latest apps. And Mr. Money Jar is essentially about me sharing my knowledge and my experiences with people in a way that's hopefully engaging and, and fun. So whether that's reimagining the income tax system via the Nando's Perry Perry scale or using <laughs> Big Macs to explain percentage change. Yeah. I'm all about making learning fun. Right, no, and I could definitely resonate with that, just trying to break down, because from afar, it could always seem very, very complex. But when you bring it into a relatable manner um, that the common man understands, yeah, there's always an easy way to kind of like relate the complex finances to your everyday life. So I do like the very, very McDonald's examples. That's it. Cool. So how would you describe your relationship with money growing up? Yeah, yeah. So my relationship with money was, um, you know, they, they kind of talk about money scripts. My money script was you work hard for money and the amount that you work for money correlates to the amount of money you 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 should make yep. so um you know and that that's very much growing up in a in a nigerian kind of uh you know working to to middle class sort of household um it was very interesting to me then when i grew up and realized that it isn't always about how hard you work that isn't always a, a marker mm. of how much money you make and that actually it's more to do with the amount of value you provide to society. So that was a big learning for me uh, as I got older. Right, no, no, yeah, 100%. I could totally, totally see that as well in terms of your, I always feel that the early beginnings of how you interact with money, your understanding of money, um, what your parents tell you about money, subtly, because you don't think about it then, but subtly and drive your relationship in the beginning and it's a new re-education. Re yeah. So um, financial education 
and literacy is something you're big into and it's very much needed um, in our society today. So what could be done to increase access to financial education for the next generation? This is a very important and a very interesting question. A big um, kind of sticking point that people have in this area is we're not taught about financial education at school. Mm. And I mean, it is part of the, the national curriculum, but there are limitations around the extent to which it can be taught and whether there's anyone available to do that. The thing is we need to stop asking um, why it's not taught in school. And we need to think instead about what school is functionally. School is merely a place that you go to learn um, information. It doesn't have to be a building. You know, I see what I'm doing as school. Yeah. It's online. It's self-service. Anyone can ask questions. Speaking up is definitely encouraged and there are no exams. So what can be done to increase access to financial education for the next generation is meeting them where they are, be that on their smartphones, on their games consoles, wherever they hang out, that's where we need to take school to. We need to unshackle ourselves from it being within the confines of a building or a classroom because the world is digital now. You and I are having a conversation over Zoom and we're in two completely different locations. You could be in Australia for all I know, but that is the magic of technology and that's what we should be utilizing going forward. Yeah, no, I say that makes sense. I wish I was in Australia, but unfortunately I am also <laughs> here in London with you. But uh, yeah, but that's an interesting concept, the, the, the school being, most people would assume school is this physical building that you go into to learn certain things. But uh, yeah, as you said, I like, forget not even this year, like, even before this year, but this year has obviously increased it and that made it more rapid. But school is about getting, yeah, it's getting information and that can be done through different ways. And what you want to learn could be different as well. So um, yeah, totally agree on that point. All right. So how do you manage your personal savings and investments and personal finances? So I have lots of different, one, one thing I'm a big fan of is having different accounts for different purposes. So um, my salary gets paid into my main bank account, but I also have a separate joint account that I use with my fiance. My day-to-day -day spending goes into my Monzo card. So I have different accounts and different pots for different purposes. I manage my investments and my pension within Hargreaves Lansdowne. I really like it because you can have lots of different investments accounts within that platform. Um, and because I have just bought and because my fiance and I live together, we're now working on managing our, invest, uh, our savings and investments together as a couple. Okay. That's really important for us just looking forward to the future and and starting a family and those sorts of things there. Great, no, yeah, I understand. And I think the, the bit about the different, the different purposes. So I know um, definitely for sure when I started out in my kind of financial journey in my very early years, I didn't have a purpose necessarily with money. Yeah. Therefore money was just in one place and was just used without a plan and understanding yeah. <laughs> you uh yeah you can't i mean okay so in my opinion is just not not the best idea to have all of your your money going into one pot that's a chinese buffet waiting <laughs> yeah <to happen. laughs> yeah 
yeah but it's definitely like an over over a time period that education about the purpose and what why because money is all about a why it's not just there in the pot and just to do yeah right so uh what tips would you have for millennials or young younger people who are looking at building wealth at the present moment well first things first i've got to talk about pensions pension wealth is one of the biggest sources of wealth in the in the uk so make sure you're paying into a pension, make sure that you're getting, um, whether you're eligible for a company match and whether if you increase your pension contributions, that company match will increase. Um, start often, invest early. That's another good rule of thumb when it comes to investment. And there's no such thing as getting rich quick. There's a reason why many of the most wealthy people in the world are at a certain life stage. Uh, wealth is built over time and it's built by consistently contributing and not being too restless or moving in and out of whatever you're investing in or using to, to build the wealth. I would also say that wealth is knowledge. So much of the stuff that I teach and the content I create comes from books I've read, articles I've read, podcasts I've listened to, YouTube, conversations I've had fill your head with as much knowledge as you possibly can because that is going to be what you're then going to apply when you come to build wealth it's going to no that's that's so great and so super spot on like two key things came up for me there one pensions so um through the work wealth aid we're doing we've identified a lot of people don't have a full grasping of pensions it seems like this thing that happened and it's well I can't have it until like when I'm super super old and um it's such a critical part of your financial holistic kind of financial uh, profile but a lot of people don't understand it and again going back to education it's like it's so critical but people don't understand it and people kind of participate in it a little bit but don't see the benefits and then the knowledge part going back to anything that's worth achieving I always say that if you're if you want to get fit and you find out like what am I going to do in the gym or what works for me or you study and it's a process to understand it it just doesn't happen overnight yeah. and this same thing there or you want to learn a new hobby you must learn you go and research you got YouTube you got Google it all applies but sometimes people think you could just wake up and it will just all be okay so yeah some very good That's tips it. thanks for sharing for that hmm. what is something you've learned in your life that you lean on daily now does this need to be financial or can it be anything? This could be anything. Okay, cool. I think it's that everything compounds, not just money, but relationships, knowledge, um, health, you know, the small things that you do in your life every day, the small habits, the small interactions you have with people uh, where, you're, where you're creating value, where you're being nice to people. These are all things which will pay returns back to you later on in your life. So what this does is when, when you realize that by starting small, you're building big, you don't feel bad about starting small because you know that over the long term, the thing that you're doing is going to grow into so much more. So whether that be, uh, you know, starting a, a daily reading habit and just going, you know what, I want to read 10 pages a day or going for a five minute walk. I'm happy to start at that level because I know I can then build up. I think sometimes 
um, you know, self-sabotage creeps in yeah. and you go, well, if I can't do the full version of what I want to do, then I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to wait until everything, you know, all the lights are, are in place um, before I do the full version of what I want to do. But it's perfectly okay to start small. Mm, no, yeah, no, that's great. And I think back to the point you made earlier around any successful person being at a certain age, but the same way if you look at any successful, anyone successful when they filled and they talk back to how they started, it was by starting small, be it sports, be it music, be it academia, be it finance, be it whatever industry it is, everyone starts at a basic kind of level and builds on that. And in the long term, they see the rewards of everything they did in all those prior years. So, yeah. Good. Um, who did you admire the most when you were growing up? Uh, so Warren Buffett is a huge inspiration for me, um, not just because of his talents as an investor and as a businessman, but because of the life advice that he gives. He doesn't just talk about the financial, he talks about all of the other things on the financial. So on success, he says that by the time you get to his age, you know, he's just turned 90, um, the biggest marker of success is not how big your bank account is, but it's how many people are in your life that you love also love you back. Mm. On giving money to your children, he says, give them enough so that they can do anything, but not so much that they can do nothing. And it's just all of these great, wise little one-liners that he has, not just on the financial, but on everything else that made him a big inspiration for me growing up. And um, I've actually read, um, every year he writes a shareholder letter and I've, I've read all of them. It took me about two years on and off, but <laughs> if you read them, you get this fantastic masterclass in how to be a great investor, how to be a great business person, but also just how to be a great person and leader as well. Yeah, yeah. Some real good nuggets there for him and right. And yeah, there's a reason why he's where he's at and, um, continuously kind of inspires many people um there today so there's a lot of talk about financial freedom and yeah. um i want financial freedom most people that you interact with want financial freedom i'm sure everyone wants financial freedom but what does financial freedom look like to you so there's a there's a community within the finance community called um, the FIRE community, so the Financial Independence Retire Early community. And um, I am very interested in the FI part, the financial independence part, but I'm not that interested in the early retirement part. And that's simply because I think I don't I don't see there coming a point where I just think, all right, that's it. I've done all the work I'm going to do. I'm going to pack it all in. <laughs> Financial freedom to me is about choices. It's about being able to wake up and spend your day doing exactly what you like um, with who you like and using that to create value, but not to use it selfishly. So to use that to create value in the world and to create the sort of world that you want to live in. Yeah. Um, is, you know, despite living in the sixth most wealthy country in the world, we still live in a monetary system where if you don't have money, you may well lose your home. Mm. You may well not be able to pay for food. Um, you may, uh, you know, 
you may fall into situations that you don't want to be in. And so there is this need to work and to put food on the table. And that's something that's real for lots of different people. So financial freedom is about being unshackled from those constraints and being able to live the life that you want. Yeah. And I really like the bit how you touched on the retirement early is not necessarily the end goal because it's living life and living life how you want to live life and getting the things you want does not directly correlate to being retired or not retired because you could be um, working and still living the life you want to live and have purpose and connect and have you love and all those. So that's a, yeah, it's a very, a very good insight on that um, kind of theme, which I'm sure so many people here would be familiar with. So um, where do you see Mr. Money Jar in the next five years? It's a great question. So what I'm building is essentially, as I said, a school. So I want to create kick-ass content on Instagram, on YouTube, articles, books, um, you know, tools, physical tools people can use, budget planners, calculators, that sort of thing, um, and have that be accessible to people of all ages and all works of life in the UK, retaining in that same formula of using the familiar to explain the, the unfamiliar. And I wanna do that in partnership with all of the best brands, products and services that people are gonna to use to participate in the monetary system. I actually was a bit reticent to, to advertise brands on my platform. I kind of put it off for a long time because I was worried about impartiality and being seen to be aligning myself with one brand over the other. But I came to the conclusion that whether you're going to, you know, whether you want to apply for a mortgage, open a bank account, start investing, you are going to have to use a company to do that. Mm. And it's my job to show you what the best companies are. Fantastic. No, that's a great mission. And I'm um, very much uh, looking forward to seeing the journey and being part of the journey to kind of get there. Good. Uh, lastly, so I'm a big Christmas buff um, and Christmas is around the corner. I think I'm seeing it a little bit too early, so, but it is coming. So what are the top three things on your list from Santa? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I would love, I think it's called Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So I've got a Nintendo Switch. And this this game has um, it's got Mario sixty four on it. It's got Mario Sunshine, which is from the uh, Nintendo GameCube. It's also got Mario Galaxy from Nintendo Wii. And just like one of my best Christmases of all time was that when we got an me and my brother got a Nintendo sixty four and we played Super Mario for the first time. Yeah, it literally blew our our child minds. Uh, <laughs> I would also like Barack Obama's uh, new book, The Promised Land. That looks awesome. And and if if Santa can do it, I'd like a coronavirus vaccine just so we can go back to go back to normal. That's great. I think those are uh, three very great gifts. And I hope Santa will be listening in to this and yeah, we'll make all all the dreams come true. So it's fantastic. Tui, thank you so much for all these nuggets of insights and the kind of great and open discussion. Uh, personally, learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone will as well. So um, I just say uh, thank you very much. And yeah, we look forward to 
anyone that wants to kind of follow or connect, what, how can they do so? I am at Mr. Money Jar um, across all social media, but primarily on Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Timmy. Cheers, man.